Ladies, gentlemen, or what have you, I'm Orion Lavelle. I'm Travis Madding. And you're listening to Tooth and Nail, a monstrous podcast where this time better buckle up your, 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 uh, um, swamp boat. Yeah, your swamp boat. I was going to say, keep your tongue stuffed in your mouth, you <laughs> cartoon wolf. What sees uh, a sexy other cartoon person? No, this tongue bit was in reference to the fact that we're talking about frog people, because we're doing, oh, okay. yeah, we're doing bullywugs this time. Man. I was afraid you'd lost the plot. No, 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 I got it. It's all in my he- my brain, my yeah, ear part right now. <laughs> Sorry, we're in a funky mood. We just got off uh, trying to record another show, and uh, everything went disastrously, so we're picking it back up. We're getting our second wind. Yeah, shake it off, shake it off. Yeah, yeah. So, Bullywugs, I'm a little bit embarrassed, truth be told, uh, (laughs) doing Bullywugs so close after bugbears, because they're very, they fill very similar roles. Instead of wolfmen, it's frogmen. Yeah, they don't even have the, (laughs) they don't even have the appeal of no, no weird, hairy, hairy wolfmen. Yeah, absolutely. They're... They bullywugs do get like they are one of those monsters that you forget about pretty easily. They don't have the history that the other goblinoids do, or in fact, like any of the other B tier baby's first dungeon monsters. But I think that I I do think that bullywugs have some things about them that are interesting, and in fact, I think that bullywug lore is at least more detailed and more compelling. Which is a weird way to put it, because <laughs> I don't. I all cards on the table. Bullywug lore makes me feel pretty gross. Yeah, all cards on the table. I could give, I could give no less of a shit about bullywugs. Sure, sure. So like all of the things that I said that made me feel gross about the bugbears still apply here, and then some. The bullywug, after all, is another race of like evil murder savages, for lack of a better trope title. There are some details about Bullywugs that are kind of neat, but on the whole, I feel kind of gross looking at Bullywug stuff. And that's just the lore. Mechanically, Bullywugs aren't terribly interesting either. They're just another kind of ambush monster. Yeah, they, like, without getting super into it, if we tell you right now that they are savage frogmen, you'll probably just pretty much get it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You've you've got exactly what they can do in your head already, and you didn't even know it. Absolutely, you're definitely right. Yeah. But I think there are some things worth describing about and talking about the Bullywugs, and there are a couple of, like, little gems to the details of their lore and the mechanical stuff. Like, I have a major question that I want to pose to you, Travis, that (laughs) rapidly changes and mixes up a bullywug encounter such that it becomes at least somewhat appreciably different to other encounters of its kind in terms I'm of I'm incredibly excited to hear this question. Absolutely. So let's, so get, let's get in. Yeah, let's <laughs> let's hop on in. What oh. like a frog does. These are frog monsters. Kill me. <laughs> I know you can't see it, but you hung yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you can't see it, but I have a gun to my head. <laughs>
So in terms of what a Bullywug is, it is an anthropomorphized frog. Basically, if you can imagine a person-sized frog with person arms and legs, there you go. Minor things you of note. It. Yeah, you've done it. A plus star. <laughs> Minor things of note with the physiology that we get in the specific picture in the monster manual. They only have three fingers and a thumb. The one we get is dressed in tattered rags, carrying a stone spear with a satchel belt and a tooth necklace. The very traditional... Barbaric. Almost caricature, yeah, like a very barbarian kind of look to them. Their feet in the picture are mostly obscured. They look like elongated human feet, but I was expecting a bit more frogginess in either like the bone structure to the limbs or like more visibly webbed feet or something. But as we get in this picture, it's just a pretty standard person with frog <laughs> elements. Yeah, I was going to say, when you get down to the feet, there isn't even like... <laughs> <laughs> There's no like Yeah, it could be wearing shoes. Identi if you show yeah, if you showed just like waist down a bullywog, you'd be like, well that's a weird goblin or just a, a green man. Yeah, yeah. If you didn't see the frog face, you would have no way of knowing. <laughs> and like as I said with blights, I think I'm way more down with seeing the non-person aspects of creatures in DD, so I would have liked a way more froggy bullywug than just person bullywug. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, specifically, like, even with the picture we get here, it could have been as simple as just changing up the pose, where instead of it just standing there with a the spear, maybe, you know, I would have liked to see all cards on the table. I want to see how long that tongue is. I just want to <laughs> see how, I want to see what it's packing in its mouth. Yeah, yeah, that would, yeah, for sure. I want to see its uh, tongue length now. I want to see both its tongue length, and I wish that those legs were jacked. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I want the legs and the feet to be three times the size they are each. Absolutely. I'm totally with you. Yeah. I want some Greninja-ass shit. No, no, not that far. Not that far. Careful what you wish for. But I do agree that there is, you know, it's a very, like, safe standard depiction of something that i think could have been a lot crazier yeah it's uh <laughs> a bullywug looks like somebody said the word frog savage they were like all right how do we make this as easy as possible to turn into a miniature yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> and like there's no real character to it so like as we'll get into the lore bullywugs and i'll talk about it in more detail in a minute because i have feelings about it but bullywugs do do that that thing where they fake grandeur and pompousness. Mm -hmm. So like, I don't know, get some like trinkets on this dude. Put like a, a gross beaten up robe on him or like a shiny brooch that's like covered in mud and shit. Yeah, just like anything, like a, a crown made of fucking like a broken shield. Yeah. Just like... Yeah, and then like a, some fly wings sticking out of its mouth and then you're, you're done. <laughs> boom personality yeah as it is it's it feels fairly bland as you know we we kind of typically see with the art in this book yeah do you got any more thoughts about the art it is just very i don't totally get why they put it in a potato sack I don't, other than that i don't know why. other than that i have no thoughts it's, it's to just make like it, wow it's to make it look like a piteous you know sad fucking savage creature well yeah sure but frogs ain't got dicks orion like <laughs> oh, oh that's what you were going for maybe bullywugs do 
Maybe bully. You know what? You're right. You're right. Maybe bullywugs are like gross amphibious mammals, yeah. and they do have weird frog dicks. I'll look you're it right. up right now. I'll oh <laughs> no, bullywug dicks. Here's the, here's a thing. I'm like like totally fine with a thick dick on my on my <laughs> on my rule thirty four on my 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 fantasy porn. Uh-huh. I just whenever the vein part is like all the way spiraling around like oh yeah i know what you're talking about like the dick had fucking bane venom injected yeah, into exactly. it exactly i was gonna say exactly bane venom dick yeah i that weirds me like when it's almost unidentifiably a dick i feel uncomfortable by that <laughs> if you you know if you want a big swinging devil i'm cool but like when it gets like when it starts to look like like a slug if the veins in the dick are as big as your arm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, bullywugs. Yeah, so that's that's bullywugs. <laughs> no, in terms of the lore, it's it, again, it does make me feel fairly gross and I I I came to these two conclusions at the same time. Firstly, you know, it copy paste a lot of what we said for bugbears in terms of bullywugs being like backwards savage murder machine things and how it all kind of stems to my mind from this sense of like first world arrogance and like xenophobia and racism that whole sort of thing makes me feel gross to consider it in that way so like yeah again i am typically not down with inherently evil races and then like as i was thinking about this i also realized why i feel uncomfortable saying the word bullywug and i was thinking it reminds me of the fucking gollywog caricature and I was like, come on, man, I'm trying. I'm trying to give you the benefit of a doubt. And then we get into all this crazy ass no, lore shit. I, there, I, there's no way. No, I'm not saying that there's some, like, no, it's meant to be I'm a connection. I'm saying switch it around. There's no way they didn't know that was close. Oh. You know what I mean? Oh. There's no way they did. They made, they were like, yeah, bullywugs. And nobody for in years. In the room was like, uh. Nobody in any room for years <laughs> said anything to them. There's no way. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. It, uh, it puts a weird, it puts a weird in my brain. It makes me feel not good. So, yeah. So, as I said with bugbears, if you similarly feel uncomfortable dealing with these kinds of things, feel free to complexify or change the lore however makes you feel comfortable, or just don't use bullywugs. Nobody will be sad. I'm sure your players are not <laughs> pining for a frog adventure. Yeah, if you want frog monster weird humanoids, make them yourself. Yeah, and there <laughs> is like a way to twist the bullywugs to make them not feel as gross. Right. So like if you strip out some of the stuff that I'll talk about in a minute that is uncomfortable, you can still have uh, a decent creature. But yeah, so bear bear with me. Come along with me into this shit show as I talk about all the things I don't like. Well, let me pull out my chair. Yeah, absolutely. Now would be a good time to get the hot cocoa. It'll help you through. All right. Here, hold on a second. Yeah. Let me get that. Okay. Mm. Yes. All right. I'm ready. Good. So the book tells us that bullywugs are creatures of the swamp. They must stay moist, making their homes in damp or rainy natural places. So usually bullywugs, they have green, gray, or a sort of spotted yellow hue to their skin, but their skin can also perceptively change in order to provide more camouflage in their environments. They are said to be evil little hunger monsters, similarly to bullets or bugbears, and 
unlike bullets, Bullywugs have a much greater sense of self-preservation, only going after prey when they when it's a sure thing, when they have a sure victory, and fleeing at any sign of serious danger, fleeing at all other times. Bullywugs are framed as having this real, like, deep-set inferiority complex thing, and I think this psychological quirk of Bullywugs forms the backbone of a lot of their lore. So in this instance, I can see that Bullywugs will maybe avoid combat because they think they'll be beaten easily. Mm -hmm. And this feeling of inferiority presses Bullywugs to masquerade their fears by acting in a pretended grandeur, right? So Bullywugs will often invent great titles and engage in this highly performative courtly quote-unquote etiquette. They are ruled by lords and ladies in their swamp kingdoms, Bullywug kings and queens, and they all vie for higher station or for favor from this leader. So again, thing number one, I feel gross by this sad, savage creature that so desperately yearns for real civilization and approval from real society, but I can see a less gross spin to Bullywugs that can be read as more like reflections of society writ large. So, like, it's there's very clearly, like, a white man's burden thing going on here that I don't like, but I can mm -hmm. see a read of Bullywugs that are like, we are all nothing more than shitty frogs playing at importance. That can be kind of <laughs> cool. I can see that as, like, a, a sort of somewhat social commentary. But there's such a precedent for this white man's burden thing, this whole, like, we must pity these wretched creatures for their sad existence thing in literature, yeah. that I feel more gross than not for sure everything about this feels maybe not like maliciously intended to be gross but it just feels but like that yeah way. it's i don't <laughs> and i'm not saying like obviously wizards of the coast i don't know how to put this bullywugs are an old creature right like they've been around for a while yes uh i mean like yeah i don't know about the very beginning let's see i guess what i'm saying is i can see bullywugs not stemming from hatred but rather ignorance if you know what i'm saying yeah i know it, it wasn't like intentionally trying to like let's make fun of indigenous people or other countries but more is like this is a trope that because white people have not bothered with this for a long bothered with thinking about these things for a long time it doesn't bother us right now but now that we are more mindful as a society it feels a little bit gross or yeah. significantly gross, I should say. Uh, they have been around since first edition. Yeah, so That's I can imagine, like, you know, Gary Gygax in the 70s being like, well, fuck it, let's do this. That This is a trope I like in sword and sorcery stuff. And now, you know, it, it's a little bit grandpa racist. <laughs> yeah, I can see that for sure. I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. Grandpa Gygax, you know, threw in his, these Bullywug creatures and we just never thought about it until right now. Yeah, it's from a different time. Yeah. So Bullywugs are constantly looking for promotions, and there are two ways to excel or promote themselves in their society. It's either you kill your rival or you suck up to the king. Since Bullywugs are portrayed as not being terribly cunning, of course, the book tells us that Bullywugs will often just raid nearby settlements and travelers in order to find trinkets and baubles for their leader. So here's your adventure hook, right, Farmer Steve? Frog people came out of my swamp and... Started attacking me. I gotta say, you know what? We're a, we're a few episodes in. Farmer Steve is a fucking land baron. He's got all sorts of problems <laughs> in all sorts of different kinds of land. <laughs> the billionaire magnate <laughs> Farmer Steve who's still like, 
yippee, I gotta play my fiddle. <laughs> every time somebody comes up and there's like, every time there's a plot hook, Farmer Steve's fucking there. Yeah. I think there's something behind this. He was cursed. He was cursed as a child <laughs> to be the, not only is he a magnate, he's also a magnet for disaster. <laughs> And of course, so they take these trinkets and baubles in. Of course, Bullywugs are not careful with their things. These gifts are often broken or tarnished or worn soon after, prompting the ruler to demand more treasures and more tribute. It almost feels like it's an attempt at whimsy, right? Mm -hmm. This whole courtly grandeur thing, there's kind of a Tolkienian irony to it. It makes me feel like how goblins were dealt with in The Hobbit, right? There's a goblin king, and even though he's a gross, disgusting monster, he still is voiced by Stephen Fry in the movie, right? Right. And, like, usually this is a trope I'm down for when it doesn't make me feel gross, so I usually like this whole king and rags thing. So I legitimately like it when, like, the locusts in Dark Souls, in the Dark Souls 3 DLC, the locusts show up and they speak like preachers, even though they're obviously monsters. Yeah. I like that, generally speaking. It just makes me feel gross here because of all of the gross things that we've mentioned that are couched in this lore right now. Yeah, and like, uh, straight up, this could... It would feel less gross if this weren't the fifth, fifth monstrous race using uh, native imagery as barbaric. Absolutely, Absolutely if, yeah. if, they, if they had been like... Uh, king and rags, a uh, race full of people who live in this place or whatever because they have to and everything's dirty and bad, but it was all just like Anglo-European trash. Yeah, <laughs> like... I think that is just like a, a weird truth to that. So like there is um a book I really love, The Graveyard Book by Neil Gaiman. The ghouls in that are monsters, but they're flavored as as English, as European. And so they do yeah. the same thing where it's like, I'm Archduke Pompadour the Fifth. Yeah, just once. Like, <laughs> just one of these monstrous creatures, just one, just be like, yeah, based off of a society other than this. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think there's some truth there. So spurred on by this inferiority complex, Bullywug rulers will often capture travelers in order to boost their egos, forcing the captives to do emotional labor for the leader until the leader feels flatted enough to let the captives go. As the book says, these lords and ladies crave the fear and respect of outsiders. Again, gross, but if you can divorce <laughs> the gross things from the encounter design, I will say that I have had firsthand experience as a player having to do this kind of stroke the Bullywug's ego so we can escape thing, and it was <laughs> legitimately engaging as like a conversation set piece or puzzle. It totally ended with all the Bullywugs being murdered. But in the moment, there was, you know, trying to do this, like, oh, my God, yeah. we got to tell this gross thing he's cool while he's stealing Ugh. our stuff. Yeah, the worst, the worst experience. I thought it was fun and engaging. <laughs> it was. Yeah. Yeah. So moving away from the unfortunate culture stuff, there's a couple of fairly neat little details about Bullywug ecology that I would have liked to have gotten more of in the book. So firstly... Bullywugs can communicate over large distances by croaking like frogs do, which allows for a quick line of communication should their land get attacked. Moreover, when they croak in this way, they can communicate basic concepts with frogs and toads, and thus are easily able to turn giant frogs, which are a, a category of sort of animal monster that we'll probably not talk about in the future. We'll discuss it a little bit because 
Uh, we'll never probably get another chance to talk about giant frogs, but they can turn these giant frogs into guard dogs and spies and hunters and occasionally mounts. That is adorable sounding as much yeah, as right? I hate a it. a frog on top of a frog. It's kind of <laughs> cute. I usually like it when, like, you know, the wolf people ride giant wolves. I find that kind of funny and cute. Yeah. Uh, and as a cute nod to what a giant frog can do, See, giant frogs like Bahirs get that swallow ability where they can just swallow things whole. The book tells us that giant frogs will also often function as living wagons, basically mm -hmm. just transporting the prey of the Bullywug to their home in the mouths of these <laughs> giant frog refrigerators. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I would have liked to have seen a lot more of the book telling us why Bullywugs are like capable swamp people as opposed to crappy savages, right? Yeah, their society has to be functional and cool in some way. Yeah, otherwise they would die out. Yeah. But unfortunately, that is not the case. And I think, uh, I don't know necessarily if I am qualified to speak to this, but I, to me, at least to my mind, to my sense of morality, it does soften the blow a bit when the, even if it's a noble savage thing, it, as long as we get the details of why this indigenous speci species is like capable and hyper competent in living in their environment that seems to like make things feel somewhat less gross to me yeah as long as it's not flavored as like you know i communicate with the spirits for i am mindful as long as it's like listen motherfucker me and my people have lived here for forty thousand years we know how to live yeah then... but bullywugs kind of are the latter or the former though well, yeah, that's because we get all the other shit that's like, look at this gross little <laughs> pathetic shit monster. If, like, Eric Cochran's were more, like, practical and less, like, you know, high-minded, yeah. they're so wise, then yeah. Eric Cochran's would be better is kind of the point I'm making to, you know, call back to the Eric Cochran episode. I agree with you. Yeah. But we can only complain. <laughs> Travis and I have no power beyond whining on the internet and hoping that things will change. <laughs> I I do have something uh, fun to bring up. Yes. Oh, fun is not maybe the right word. Uh, normally, when, when we uh, talk about these monsters, I look them up on the Forgotten Realms wiki because mm -hmm. I like to know the slight history of the things we're talking about. No. And most of these beast races, like bugbears, they don't have notable named uh examples that right. show up bullywugs have one <laughs> karimsh a shaman and swarm leader of a group that attacked one of the main characters in sea of swords and that's it yeah <laughs> yeah surprise leader of a bandit group what yeah yeah gross yeah i i'm it's gross but i'm not surprised because that's what bullywugs are for in dnd I mean, like, the, the fun thing about it is that knowing anything about it is that they attacked what's called the Elf Maid, which is actually a ship, which brings to mind this idea of bullywugs who've taken to the seas instead of oh. the swamps, like yeah, pirate cool. shaman. Yeah, I'm it's, down for it. It still says a shaman, so it's still a little like, well, yeah, but like, still a maybe bit it's of that. like a, like this, a sea shaman. They're, they're yeah. just a bunch of crazy pirate frogs. Yeah, I'm down with pirate frogs. That's cool. Like a Cockney accent frog guy. Down with that. I like that. That makes me feel good. Well, there you go. There's a little, that little yeah. boop fun fact for you. Absolutely. So we highly encourage you to turn 
all of the gross, uh, <laughs> shitty, savage monster into cool pirates. Yeah, everyone, just make everyone cool pirates. Yeah. So this concludes Pirate and Nail. <laughs> gold Tooth and Nail. Damn it. I should have said that. Oh, fuck. Fuck. All right. Gold. I almost said Gold Tooth and Peg, and then I was like, mm, that sounds Ooh. a little bit more like a different kind of show. Well, yeah, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> we've we've already made our stance clear on dicks so like that's true <laughs> yeah i was thinking maybe like tooth and crossbones yeah. anyway uh yeah let's let's uh get away from fuck. this gold tooth and sail fuck oh! <laughs> i just clipped the microphone because i was so mad tooth and sail <laughs> damn it, damn it. <laughs> all right so you can delete that comment person who doesn't comment on our shit <laughs> Because we got there eventually. It took us a minute, but we found the treasure. My brain was fucking working overtime. I'm exhausted now. (laughs) Like throwing papers, like, (laughs) what do I call it? Moving out of lore territory and into mechanical territory, Bullywogs, as we said, are another example of the ambush kind of monster. In this case, these boys are geared to take people down Navy SEAL style with amphibious attacks from the water. They are medium-sized humanoids, neutral evil in alignment. They have a teensy little CR of one-fourth. Mechanically, they are equipped with hide armor and shields, giving them a pretty high AC of 15, and a proportionally, appropriately tiny HP of 11. They have a pretty small run speed of 20 feet, but a pretty fast swim speed of 40 feet, so we'll get into this in a minute. This kind of feeds into how I feel like Bullywogs should be used in a combat encounter. Their attributes are pretty average, with strength and dex and constitution being above average, and their intelligence and charisma being below average. They get a plus three boost to stealth, again reinforcing that ambusher kind of quality, they have an average passive perception of 10, and they speak Bullywug, though the book really does imply that they speak common as well, or at least that the the ruler does. Maybe even that the language of Bullywug is like a weird bastardization of common, which is yeah. also... <laughs> yeah, eh. yeah, that also feels gross too, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Blech. <laughs> Blech. Blech. In terms of their traits, they're generally what you would expect from a frog person, but they all do kind of have a place in what constitutes a good Bullywug encounter. First up is the amphibious trait, which lets them breathe in air and water. Yep. Next up is this speak with frogs and toads trait, which allows them to communicate simple ideas to frogs and toads, as the book mentioned in the lore in the Bullywug language. Yeah, I was a little curious about that because I was I just assumed that maybe Bullywug was the language of frogs and toads, but no. No, there seems to be some kind of barrier, like the middle point between frog and common. Yeah. They get another trait called Swamp Camouflage, which gives them advantage on stealth checks to hide in swampy terrain. Again, reinforcing that ambush stuff. And then finally, they get a trait called Standing Leap, which is where the interesting question comes in. So similarly to the leap trait that the Let's have, this lets the Bullywug have a horizontal jump of 20 feet and a vertical leap of 10 feet. So this mostly feels like a flavor trait. You know, frogs can jump well, so why not frog people jump crazy well? But let Mm -hmm. me pose a question to you, Travis. Yes. Can a creature that can jump this high 
just jump over other spaces on a grid because that kind of changes how bullywugs should work in a fight. How do you mean? So a person is about six feet tall, right? Yes. But like, you know, vertical stuff, your your effective range in D&D is five feet. So in most cases, you probably can't jump over people. But if it is like a halfling, can mm-hmm. you just jump over a halfling without having to worry about an attack of opportunity? Or even in cases where... You know, we kind of are fudging the numbers here, but in cases where it is like a six foot tall half orc with a five foot effective range, would you still rule that because of this crazy vertical leap and horizontal leap, can a Bollywog just jump over other people on a grid? I would say yes, they can with the the uh, the stipulation that only small characters don't get opportunity attacks against it. Okay, that's fair. In that case, this is kind of a neat risk-reward way for the Bullywug to just bypass frontliners and get at, if you're playing that sort of group, the squishier party members. So if you're playing with a really <laughs> tactical team, you know, and you, you're you sick of the paladin just rushing forward and smiting everything to death, this might be a neat way for you as the DM in maybe like a level three encounter, have the Bullywugs just bypass the frontliners in order to yeah, absolutely. really hurt the casters. That would be exactly what I did. Just like I would, no matter how well their like line of defense was, it would just be like, hold on a moment. Bang. In which case, this kind of becomes the thing that sets Bullywugs apart as a creature. So we already have ambush monsters, a load of ambush monsters. We already have a ton of water ambush monsters. I think if we are ruling that this is the case, this ability to jump over other spaces is the thing that makes a Bullywug special compared to other monsters. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't feel bothered by it because they don't do that much damage. And, you know, if you allow that opportunity attack, that kind of cuts them short as well. And also, they can only get in somewhere. They can't get out. So they can't jump away from somebody without getting an opportunity attack. This is purely like, a, we've ambushed you. Surprise round, we all leap in and then combat starts kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, that makes that makes a sense. <laughs> yeah. In which case, you know, I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, it's absolutely the I had never I'm sure at some point I had considered the idea that like certain monsters could like jump over the party, but I hadn't considered it with bullywugs. Yeah. Well, like I was again, all cards on the table. I was kind of fishing for something it neat that bullywugs could do. Yeah. And this is it. This is their one thing. Because otherwise, they're just a water ambush monster. And me grasping at straws, this is the coolest thing I think that a Bullywug can do mechanically. Yeah, be a frog. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah. So beyond that, Bullywugs are also kind of special in that they do get a multi-attack, which is weird for a creature of that CR. This might be the weakest creature in the monster manual that also gets a multi-attack. I think you're right. Yeah, absolutely. Below CR1, I can't think of another creature with multi-attack. Yeah, so this could be your way of introducing multi-attacks as well. In which case, like, I can imagine maybe a level 2 encounter with Bullywugs being kind of an oh shit moment if you're tactical (laughs) enough. Uh, So they get to make both a melee bite attack and a melee spear attack. The bite has an average plus 3 to hit, doing 3, which is 1d4 plus 1 bludgeoning damage because they don't got teeth, so it's not piercing damage, which I thought was a cute touch. Yeah, I was about to say, how can you cannot call it a bite? It's more like gumming. They get to... Yeah, they get a gumming attack. Ferociously gum you. (laughs) 
I wanted to, as soon as I saw that, I was like, I gotta bring this up. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, I think it's a fuck? cute touch. I like that. <laughs> I'm I'm proud of Wizard of the Coast for making it bludgeoning instead of piercing damage. <laughs> the spear also gets an average plus three to hit, doing five damage as a melee weapon. Alternatively, the Bullywug can choose to use the spear as a ranged weapon, with the risk being, you know, they don't have a spear anymore, and they also can't take multi-attack if they choose to throw their spear. So, putting it all together, the entire total damage that a Bullywug can do is higher than the CR usually allows, so it's a bit above average. Mm -hmm. But since it's spread out over two attacks that have an average chance to hit, it doesn't feel like a big deal to me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, similarly to, I can't remember, was it like bugbears or whatever? Well, once you start spreading the damage around multiple attacks, I get less worried and it feels more fair to me. Oh, uh... I think it was no. bugbears. Like, uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is if you gave Bullywugs Brute, it would probably be shitty. Yeah. Instead, they gave him multi-attacks, which I feel like is the more fair and considered choice. Yeah, absolutely. Especially for a CR 1 fourth. It's very fitting, I think, because it gives you the the flavor of them being like quick ambushers. Yeah. Multi-attack kind of always, it can have like two things. It's either like a guy with a big weapon doing multi-attack makes you feel it, Multi-attack on a, a little creature like this makes you imagine, like, the frog coming in and two very quick stabs frantically. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that is appropriate to an extent. It's kind of surprising that Wizards of the Coast, the the king company of taking the low-hanging fruit in monster design, didn't give the Bullywog a tongue attack. Yeah, right? Feels weird to me. I was expecting some sort of grapple, too. But... No grapple, no, like, just yeah. no tongue, anything. Yeah, I was really expecting that too, which, you know, I'm I'm more or less fine with in terms of the mechanics because the Bullywug do, does get a bunch of other frog-like abilities, so I'm fine yeah. with the tongue being an actual frog's tongue kind of sensitive and not used for fighting if it's not immediately <laughs> just there to scoop up flies. It's a distraction technique. It just whack right in your face and you're like, what the fuck? But yeah, I also thought that was strange or at least mildly interesting that they didn't go for a tongue whip of some kind or a grapple of some kind yeah. yeah so putting it all together we got ourselves a water ambush monster we mentioned a guerrilla warfare style fight with bugbears and i think that would be appropriate for a bullywug fight as well you know so the party has to cross a swamp the bullywugs find them and then they strike from the waters of the swamp i'm imagining like a a water dense swamp with a lot of minor lakes and pools flanking the road that the party is taking such that the bullywugs can Pincer strike the party. The problem there is, you know me, I don't like underwater combat. So to my mind, mm -hmm. I think the best way to deal with it is just flavor it such that the water is deep enough for the Bullywugs to swim in, but still shallow enough to walk in. So in this mm -hmm. way, it turns into difficult terrain rather than disadvantage on shit. Yeah, you'd have to... It would, be, it would be, like, very hard to walk in it, because Bullywugs are medium. They are man-sized. Yeah, that doesn't bother me, because medium can range from, like, you know, four feet to six or seven feet. Yeah. So I'm fine with just kind of waving that away in my brain. Right. But if it bothers you, then feel free to change it as what makes you comfortable. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so this can pan out a couple of different ways. I'm imagining a terrain battle similarly to what we talked about for Avalis, where the water part is awkward for the characters and great for the Bullywogs and vice versa. So then we get into the common DM-controlled difficulty thing, where you can either, as the DM, keep the fight in the water for a harder time, or have the Bullywogs move to land where the party can keep things under control better. Of course, 
like if you rule that the bullywugs can just jump over other creatures on the battlefield that changes things such that you might have some fun moments where like the bullywugs just zip on past the fighter leading to some fun minor oh shit moments right yeah yeah i feel like i should also mention if your party does happen to have some halflings or something and you want to put the fear of god in them <laughs> feel free to throw a giant frog in the mix because <laughs> as we stated before giant frogs get swallow we'll probably never cover them again so we'll talk about them real quick yeah they're not powerful at all they're they're still cr14 giant frogs are but they get a puny little version of the behir swallow that only works on small creatures and does five you know in parentheses 2d6 acid damage per turn as they're in the giant frog so if the dwarf is getting kind of uppity and you want to take him down a notch feel free to throw a giant frog in the mix to put the restrain debuff and also if they've never played DD before the first time a character gets swallowed that's always pretty horrifying yeah. to the party writ large <laughs> so if you want to traumatize some gnomes there you go <laughs> i love the idea that these cr one fourth creatures have like have this working relationship with another race of cr one fourth frog creatures yeah like i'd imagine that at any time the giant frogs could just turn on them and eat the ones that are riding them and it would be just well they they got a rapport they both like food <laughs> and they both like croaking yeah we're both frogs we both like to eat things that aren't frogs yeah there you go i don't see the problem personally Beyond that, you know, you can throw in some traps if you want. I'm having difficulty beyond the leap and beyond the water surprise coming up with a interesting way of presenting a Bullywug encounter in terms of combat. Yeah, I have. I think like we've discussed and experienced really the only way a Bullywug encounter can go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, truth be told, all the gross stuff tweak that as best you can in order to get the players to the confronting the you know having to stroke the king's ego thing or you know use it in another place but that is kind of a worthwhile conversation encounter a nice little role play encounter as well yeah that i would recommend using if not here then elsewhere you find in the middle of the swamp this society of frogs that have built medieval buildings out of mud blocks and they're all wearing like tattered commoner clothes yeah that's what the book is going for no, 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 no. I mean, like, like medieval, like castles out of mud blocks. Like they have found a storybook or something and are emulating a medieval village, not a tribal village. Yeah, well, that's the that's the thing that makes me feel gross, though. Well, sure. It's I, I what makes me feel gross is that they they don't commit to the bit, though. For me, it's that they are presented as tribal beings emulating the the kings mm. i would prefer it being they are just kind of oh you just want frog princes like you just yeah, want to reflavor yeah, them like a whole society of just this weird it's like a normal city but everything is made of mud for some reason mm. is what i just imagine yeah like there's a like a butler frog comes and meets you in like a weird yeah. suit coat if you're if you're doing the like you know anglicized fairy tale campaign this would be a, a good creature to use for like a frog kingdom on the other hand i also would i i would have liked to have seen more competency and like capability i want like kind of badass frog people not necessarily like quote-unquote badass right but like more capable frog people but both are fine i suppose bullywug gonna bullywug what are you gonna do yeah gross lore couple of neat details and a fine sturdy mechanical basis around them 
is what I got to say. Yeah. So that is probably going to do it for Bullywugs. There's not a whole hell of a lot to say about them, and I think we hit what we feel about them pretty clearly. So if you enjoyed what you're listening to, I recommend you check out some more Tooth and Nail. Pretty much wherever podcasts are playing, you can find us now. But if you're sick of Tooth and Nail, if you're like, these guys are schmoes, Bullywugs are the best (laughs) fucking monster in the land then I highly recommend you check out our sister podcast, Monster Crush, which is a lot more about... It's also on Nerdsmith. It's more about, like, uh, mythological creatures, and it's couched in a sort of dating game show conceit, which is a lot of fun, and I recommend you check those those folks out as well. Yeah. Yeah. It would be fun to just have a whole episode of that that really uh, epitomizes that old meme, the... Monster manual? You mean boyfriend handbook or whatever the fuck? Oh, I want more slug dicks. (laughs) God damn it. I need more slug dicks. What, is it for a potion? No, slug dicks. (laughs) Okay, excuse me. That's my business, what I do with slug dicks in my home. You're right. It's none of my business what you do with slug dicks. What I'm trying to say is, for the creature comfort today, get you some cocoa and fucking go to town on a slug dick. <laughs> that is not the creature comfort for today. Get you some that slug is, dicks. End of no. episode, the end. <laughs> <laughs> it's done, you can't change it. I edit these, I motherfucker. Know. I can't, you're right. <laughs> I, I'm sure Monster Crush will love that. <laughs> uh, Jesus Have Christ. a good day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>